Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve Podcast. Here's your host. Hey everyone, Dave here with the How We Solve Podcast. I'm with Elizabeth Dodson, the co-founder of HomeZada, an online and mobile home management portal that helps homeowners manage their largest asset to save time and money and reduce stress, while also enabling HomeZada partners to differentiate their business and build long-term client loyalty in today's competitive market. Elizabeth, and you've given me permission to call you Beth. Beth, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing doing very well. So I've been looking at homes. Actually, I recently bought a house. So this is so cool. Bought a house in late December and there's still so much stuff I don't know about home ownership. And here I see you've kind of got this comprehensive um, platform for sort of home management. So that was a long intro, but I'm sure there's still more to discuss there. Uh, Tell us a bit more about the finer details of Homes Auto. What does it do? Who's it for? That's a perfect question. So um, you are correct. First of all, congratulations on becoming a homeowner. And yes, when it comes to home management, there's a lot of complexities when managing the home. And so what Homezada does is it enables you to not only take a home inventory so you can understand what you own in your home, what we refer to as the possessions of the home. So those are things that will go into a moving truck. We also help you understand the contents of the structure of the home. And what we mean by that is the equipment and the appliances, for the most part, even paint, for the most part. And then once you have all that documented, you now know how to take the next step, which is caring for your home. A lot of your equipment and your appliances will need care. And doing that regularly will prevent unexpected repairs and therefore unexpected costs that nobody prepared for, which is quite frustrating for most people. And then from there... Oftentimes, people are updating their homes. They want to redesign it. They want to remodel it because it's older. Let's face it. um, I believe it's like 68% of all the homes in the United States were built before 1980. So they're older. So they need updating. And so because of that, we have project templates inside Homesada to guide homeowners through the process of managing those projects because we want to make sure that we can help them keep those projects in budget and on time whether they're doing it themselves or they're working with a contractor. And then finally, there is the ability to track all of the financial aspects of your home. Because one of the things most people don't know is we spend approximately 33% of our annual incomes on our home. So we need to make sure that we are documenting it so that we can figure out exactly where that 33% is and not get to 40%, which could cause a really big problem in our overall finances. Got it. Okay. So there's uh, there's so much there. And I think this is also maybe one of those products where sometimes like you don't know you need it, but you need it type of a thing uh, because you don't know until something breaks and you didn't realize that you could have been maybe monitoring it or repairing it or something like that. From like a user experience perspective, how does this kind of work? I mean, is it sort of, you know, I download the app and then I kind of go around my house and catalog all the different appliances in there, or does it connect to some sort of database that where the information is already there? Great question. So a couple of things happen with Hamzada. So the first thing that we ask is a few setup features, whether you use the app or you're on your desktop. And by the way, our users use both right down the middle and they use them interchangeably. So it's the same exact design, whether it's the app or the desktop. So it's important that we recognize that. We ask them to walk through the onboarding process, which is ask us a few questions. 
how many bedrooms do you have? How many bathrooms do you have? And also the style of home that you have, the type, single family, condo, et cetera. And with that, we will predict using algorithms, the generic spaces and the generic items to start you off cataloging what you have in your home. So that's the first step. Some people may skip cataloging what's in their home and they may go straight to maintenance or projects. And then with those aspects, we also pre-populate a calendar with the common maintenance tasks that everyone in the country needs. And the same thing with the projects, we build these templates to get you started. Now on the finance side, we do work with a lot of third parties to pull in data that is public data, for instance, mortgage rates, vendors, mortgage uh, type that you have. And then we will predict your payoff date, your forecasted equity in your home over 36 months. And then also the, um, excuse me, the forecasted values. And then therefore you get the equity in the home. So there's a variety of different things. We bring in predictive algorithms, consumer entered data, as well as third parties to help understand what's going on in the house. And as we continue to grow Hamzada, different areas will become more automated and then others will become more uh, specific to the users because they are very particular how they use the system. This is great because, uh, so two uh, small projects that I recently handled in my house was one was changing the air filters and another was a refrigerator filter, like the water. And these are types of things that you're kind of supposed to do like every three to six months or something like that. And I think most people probably are just ballparking it like, hey, it's been a while since we did that, you know, that change. Um, is this the type of stuff, for example, not to overly oversimplify it because I think it does a lot, but is this some of the, the things that Homes Auto would kind of handle and help us kind of remember and keep us on track? Yes. So maintenance reminders are key. And you bring up a really great point, air filters and uh, water filters. There's some of the key areas that people forget all the time, even cleaning uh, fume hoods in their um, stoves. And those areas, you want to make sure you're doing that because one, you want to prevent a fire in a fume hood in a stove. And you want to make sure air is great and clean because otherwise you can result in health issues inside your house. Hamzana gives you the estimated time that you need to do this. So yes, we recommend filters every three to four months, depending on where you live. And there's no point in you having to put it in your brain, use the system to actually send reminders. And so you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can focus on the important things in life rather than when did I last change my air filter? And for those people who are married out there, like I am, you don't have to worry about fighting with your spouse for it. It's just a waste of, of a fight. And you're just like, focus on other things. Makes total sense. I've had a look at the application. It is beautiful and it also seems very powerful, which is a very deadly combination because it's, you know, you, you can make something powerful, but it's usually it's ugly. And then the, the reverse is true as well. So I know from, you know, my background in software, you, you having run a software company, this was not easy to build. This was a large undertaking. So talk to us about. And if you then go like from day zero, like, you know, this incorporate, cause we didn't get to talk about where the idea came from and stuff like that. So if you can kind of give us a little bit of, of the background of the idea and then also the product development side of things. The background is quite interesting. So the three co-founders used to work at a company called Meridian Systems, and this is very relevant. Meridian Systems was the world's leader in commercial construction project management software. Bit of a mouthful, but for people in commercial construction or in project management, they understand the complexities of building those buildings. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of contractors. There's time. There's money. There's a lot of contracts with various individuals, the owners, the um, permitting, the engineers, etc. And one of my co-founders actually built started Meridian. So 
we all helped grow that company and we sold that company. But during my time at that company, I kept saying to myself, I don't understand why I can manage the Dallas Cowboy Stadium, which is a beautiful building. And yet I don't have anything to give me centralized information about my house. I can use all these despair systems. I have paper all over my house, but nothing is giving me the information in one central location so I can make the best decisions, not only in my finances, but also managing my time. And it was really frustrating to me. And I looked for 10 years for some other solution because I was really happy working at Meridian. And I was like, I'm already part of a team that I'm growing. Well, then one of my co-founders kept hearing me say this for years and years. And he came to me after we had sold Meridian and said, I think I've got another startup in me. I think all of you do too, meaning the other two of us as co-founders and said, what do you think if we build your idea? Because I think you're onto something. And I thought it was crazy to be perfectly honest. I'm like, what? And so did my other co-founder at first, but then we did our own research and we recognized that, okay, let's go try this. But what's ironic is this co-founder had been doing design work like on his off hours just to see if this was even viable. And I was thought that was kind of crazy, but he wanted to actually, before he approached us, took a look at this idea. So that goes into the development cycle. And that talks about, he started doing design work and that's where his strength is. He used to be an ex-project manager for a large commercial construction company. So it was a very easy role for him to fill. Then he brought that to myself first and I reviewed it because it was my idea. And he said, let's see what we can do from a company perspective. And what I did was I analyzed, could this be a company? Could this be a product? What could this be? And then both myself and my other co-founder, John, we do not have development experience. So what we did was we needed to find another co-founder who had development experience. And therefore we brought in David. And we are very fortunate because we were at a previous company where we had development developers and David was part of that team. So we had automatic trust, automatic understanding of skill set. We didn't need to test anything, but we brought everything to the table. Now, here's where the development changes a little bit. When you're building a B2B product, as many people are probably familiar with, the look and feel doesn't have to be as great. It can be nice. It doesn't have to be fabulous. But when you get into the consumer world, you definitely need a user experience and a user design that is phenomenal because users won't use it. They won't have the patience to say, okay, I need this functionality for the greater good. I just won't use it. So what we recognized is even though our team had all the the necessary skill sets, we were missing UI and UX design skill sets. So we realized that first step was we needed to hire out for that. So we interviewed several different outsourced vendors that were going to be part of our team. And it was great. And we did that the first go around with Hamzada, but then we did a refresh of Hamzada years later. And one of the things that we recognized with our new UI UX team is we needed to focus on, people think I'm crazy, but we need to focus on what the team looked like. And this particular UI UX design team had a male and a female co-founder. And that was important because we started learning about our user base and they were right down the middle men and women. So we needed that look and feel to be relevant to both men and women. And we were able to hire that second company years later to do the refresh that you see today. And that refresh made all the difference in the world. So that was one thing. But prior to doing that, we built the product with our um, development co-founder as well as our UI UX designer team. 
We all went through arguments, which is also, in my opinion, very beautiful because I think conflict helps us solve problems as long as it's healthy. And so we did that. And then as we continued to build out the product, we released it with only inventory and only maintenance. So those two features were released first. And we knew we had to get it out the door for anyone who's read Lean Startup. Definitely recommend that book. We want to get things out the door, test it, keep getting things out the door and keep enhancing it. And that's what we did from a development perspective. And we also understood that we needed to pay attention to the questions we were asked by our users. So we do have traditional tech support. People call in, people email in. We found that very important because our our app is very complex, as you've seen, and it's a lot to manage in the house. So with that said, we walk through those steps. So finding your development co-founder, definitely number one. We build trust and skill sets, identifying where your weaknesses are, filling those gaps, then going in, building out the application, testing it internally, then rolling it out. By the way, we did roll it out to an alpha group first before we went public with it. Get their feedback, make adjustments, roll it out, constantly get feedback from customers and constantly test things out, understand who your market is, and then continue to make enhancements. Because when you haven't, as everyone, most people may not know this or whatever, when you have a preconceived notion of who your customer is and you're not evaluating who it is, you may be going down a path that will continue to build product for this particular audience. And you're missing out on the true audience that really wants to use your product. So those are the steps we took. And we constantly do those iterations with the product because development is an ongoing effort, as most people know who've been in that space. Yeah. And thank you for the summary at the end too, sort of the uh, the bullet point summary of everything putting it together. And you're so right about the sort of difference between the business and the consumer approach to UI UX, you know, if you're getting sort of paid to use a software or something that you have to use for work, you're kind of more willing to tolerate some issues with, with the app, but consumers are so easily just kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to do something else because I can do whatever I want. And so it, it does have to be really, really stunning. We talked a little bit before the call about the, I guess, I hate to say the misconception, but that you had an idea in your, in your head about who was going to be using this. Um, and it turned out to be a little different than you imagined. Tell us, tell us a bit more. We thought that because women generally care for the home, we thought the average user of Hamzada was going to be a stay-at-home mom who had some more time than the average working mom or working father, and that they were going to be able to manage all the details of the house, because usually that is their role. We were completely blindsided when we realized that's not our core user. Stay-at-home moms really want to focus on, they focus on managing their house, but they really also want to focus on managing their whole household, which includes their kids. And those kids have a lot of things to run around and and get them organized. What we found is that our actual user is someone who is looking to be really efficient with their time, who understands technology, who can embrace it, and who also cares for their house and understands that, you know what, I need to manage all this information or I could devalue my house I could run into problems with dollars and cents because if I'm not caring for my house, it could increase my energy bills. I need to care for the things that I own because we do work with individuals in very high natural disaster type territories as well. And we've had a lot of natural disasters in the last several years. So people want to make sure they're in front of that. And then also understanding that a lot of our users actually are working professionals, but they're right down the middle, men and women. They're all four age groups almost evenly. 
which I found really odd because I didn't expect the seniors to jump on board and they absolutely do. And then they're in all 50 states, almost identically in terms of the the per population. We do recognize that the median household income for that region, whatever that is. So in Northern California, it's different than it is in Arkansas or somewhere else. The median household, they definitely have disposable income and they definitely want to look at all the details about managing their house. So it was an eye opener for us to understand all the nuances about what we thought was our customer and then what we truly found our customer. And it enabled us to solve a different problem. And that is change our marketing strategy and change our messaging. And that's what we started to do. And it made a complete world of difference. One of the tricky things about your target market, from what I understand, is number one, there's some aspect of of generality there. You said it's evenly split in ages and geography, men and women. It's pretty split down the middle. So you can't kind of target uh, specifically on that. The thing that unites them is that they all own a home, uh, which is kind of a difficult piece of information to know about somebody. I mean, it's not like a a professional job role. You can kind of go on LinkedIn and look for a physical therapist or something like that. You know, how do you know that someone's a homeowner? So what have you guys found as a good approach to marketing in this case? So uh, great question. And marketing is ever evolving, especially as a, a smaller company and a younger company. You have a fixed income as how much marketing you can do. And consumer marketing is extremely expensive. So what we do is we look at what we refer to as the homeowner life cycle. And the homeowner life cycle starts people off as first-time homeowners, second-time homeowners, third-time homeowners. Maybe they're stepping down in the size of their house, or they're actually adding more homes to their portfolio. And they may have a vacation home. They may have rental incomes, whatever the case may be. And then once they come back around towards later in life, Their kids have moved from home. They want to scale down and they want to live in a smaller home, maybe even in a community where they have like-minded people. And so what we found is because of that homeowner life cycle and that journey that people go through, we needed to target different messages to different groups, whether it's location, age, where they are throughout their homeowner journey, first-time homeowners versus people who have multiple homes because they have different issues. And what we did was we refer to it as micro messaging to those individuals. And we call out the micro messages to all those people. So for instance, we're coming up on hurricane season. So because we're coming up on hurricane season, we want to make sure that we're enabling people to take their inventory, document the contents of their home before any hurricane actually shows up because then people are scrambling and they're getting frustrated. So we want to make sure that messaging is going out now, specifically to those regions and any age homeowner that will be in those regions specifically that will be affected by hurricanes. It's so important. A lot of times people think about, um, you know, uh, if you're marketing a product, selling a product, what was the user doing before they bought your app? What was, what were they doing, you know, a step before? And so you mentioned your hurricane being kind of motivator for somebody thinking about, oh, you know, do I have all my insurance in place? Have I kind of cataloged all my expensive belongings and things like that? And that being the driver for, you know, wanting to sign up and try homes on it And, and your job being to kind of understand the different motivating factors in each segment and to target them individually, which is an incredible amount of work, but it's the only way that it's going to work. Because if you just kind of put homes on out there and you just say kind of a financial management tool for your largest asset and you just kind of blast that to everybody, uh, you're probably not going to make a lot of headway, right? That's correct. That's, that's a great point that you're making. It's 
We do that for some individuals. And yes, they will like that financial management tool for your home. But most people, their homes are personal and they're unique. If you think about any home in the world, because of the people that live in it, because of the decor, no one home is exactly the same. Whereas we can still have our cars kind of the same, but there's no one home that's the same. So really reaching out to them in their homeowner journey, that's what's important for us. One of the things that we also see is helping homeowners take action. And throughout our application, we have steps to walk them through that process. So for example, on the home inventory, because we have those algorithms that pre-populate everything that gets people started, that's a first step. But the second thing is we have a wizard that walks them through, okay, now take a picture of this. Now walk over here and take a picture of this. And we also have reminders that we send from the system. And those reminders come in the form of email or other areas. But think about a monthly statement that shares with the homeowner. These are the tasks you need to be doing for maintenance. These are the items that are missing photographs or values. Maybe you don't know what the value is, but maybe you can have a guesstimate on it. These are just areas that we remind them monthly to come back to engage in the application to fill it out so that they are protected if, God forbid, anything should happen. And um, by doing that, we're also talking to them as individuals and making it personal for their specific home, which is also very important to all of our users. Very cool. And do you see a difference in the avatar between the individual homeowner like myself versus the property manager, somebody who has multiple homes, somebody who's a little bit more of a business approach to things? Um, how, how does that, how do you balance those? We do see a difference when it comes to people who are for some homeowners, they're usually, or anyone who's owning just one home, they're usually trying to get their arms wrapped around all the information that they need about this home. Maybe in the past they've done nothing. Maybe they've got it in paper format, as I indicated before, or they've got it on Excel spreadsheets or what have you, but there's no combination that pulls all this data together. So those homeowners are looking at how do I actually get my arms wrapped around all the different tasks, all the things I own? How do I understand where everything is so I can be really efficient? And that's their primary core. The other types of homeowners that are property managers, they own multiple homes. They're actually looking at some of that information. How do I get my arms wrapped around all this, this detail? But they're also looking at it because they have requirements. So the average homeowner technically doesn't have a requirement to do all this maintenance. It's highly recommended to avoid fires, damage, all these other things that could occur if you don't do it. Now, the property manager, if they are leasing out their property, et cetera, they have a requirement to actually go in there and solve everything. If they can be in front of that, then those properties are more valuable long-term. And they look at those properties as assets versus I'm living in my home, but these are assets for me as an income generating business. And if anything were to fail in that home, then that could cost me more unexpectedly or I could experience a damage to the home that is so expensive that the home also devalues and that may be a problem for me. 
I feel like and we've kind of been on this topic for some time, but I just can't stress enough how important it is to really understand the different customer avatars within your business, because it's, it's usually not just one and they may have different motives. They may have a different language in, in which not and not just like English versus Spanish, but I mean, like the, the way the keywords that are going to kind of, you know, ignite them. So a really good point. So I'm glad we kind of spoke at length about that. So tell us a little bit about what's next for Homesada. Yeah, Hamzada is continuing to grow and we're doing it in two two different ways. One, we continue to reach out to our consumer customers all in the United States. However, we do have customers in 20 countries outside the United States because they find us, um, but we are focused in the United States. And the second thing that we're also doing is growing our partnerships. One of the things we didn't talk about, which also adds some complexity to our business, we not only go to B2C, but we also go B2B to C. And so there's a lot of um, industries that touch the homeowner, specifically insurance, mortgage, home building, and real estate. And those industries are looking to stay connected to their customers beyond that initial transaction and to retain those customers, but also to look for net new customers through the referrals. So Homzada has pathways to help those industries do that. And we continue to build those relationships with those partners who also can help us get to market more efficiently because they've already built this customer base for years. And so that is a win-win for all of us. And then while we're doing that, we're going to continue to um, scale our business, as I indicated, through those two approaches. But we're also going to continue to reach out and secure our next round of funding, which is always exciting, especially during this time during COVID. People are holding tight with where they allocate money. And so we get excited about this because it does become challenging. But during COVID, homeowners are actually managing their home more and very excited to use homes out of. So that's a benefit to us. Yeah. And I mean, I certainly uh, am not uh, super involved in the market, but from what I've heard, uh, you know, home buying is kind of exploding a little bit right now, at least in my area, just because of like low interest rates and things like that. And then as soon as people buy a home, they need to think about how to manage it. So hopefully that also uh, bodes well for homes out Beth, for people who want to get in touch with you, uh, learn more, how should they do that? They can do it two ways. They can go to visit us at homesada.com. If they have any questions, they can reach us at info at homesada.com. And if they want to link into me, feel free. They can mention this podcast and I will link in with them. And I'm always connecting to people all the time because I love learning more about what other people have to offer. Awesome. Thanks very much uh, for being on the show. I think I'm going to sign up myself because I'd like to uh, see, see how, you know, how I can manage my home better. And thanks. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.